Because when the Lord bless, it's always a good blessing. Amen. Amen. May the Lord God bless you real good. As we are in the Advent season, <coughs> celebrating Christ's coming, uh, I'm, I'm want us to see the promise in the sea. And as we look at the promise of the sea, pay attention to the article, I want us to look at the blessing of the sea today. In Genesis 12 chapter, you can join me there, we see God calling someone, consecrating someone, and confirming someone. And as we've been challenged already this morning, for the divine experiment, God too has called us, consecrated us, and confirmed us. We call it, you know, y'all know the Great Commission, right? He has given us authority, he's called us our consecrated, and given us authority to go make disciples. You see, God has called out his people all through his grace. And the beautiful thing about this is that I see God working like a director of a symphony. Have anybody ever been to an orchestra and hear them play a symphony? And you notice that there's different movements within the symphony. But maybe you are unaware of, but there's always an element that stays the same in each movement. And so as it may get faster, it may get slower, but yet there's something always similar to what was in play before. Orchestrating basically that there's something always involved that was in from the beginning all the way to the end has always been a part of the picture. I want you to see that Everything that God has done in your life has not been by accident. But it has been orchestrated from the beginning all the way to the end to the very last note. We know that God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We, the Hebrew writer tells, says Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. So basically it's breaking it down that if God is writing my book, I should let him tell the story. <laughs> and so as we look at God in his relationship with Abram, many of you might be unfamiliar with that word there. Abram is the same as Abraham. Abram at this time was what he was called. The name meant exalted father or father of high. And then God changed his name after he confirmed him for the second time, his blessing to Abraham, which means father of men. So Abram and Abraham are interchangeable, but yet the name change is significant because it shows a change in the covenant relationship with God. But here we see in this book of Genesis, the beginning, I, I want you to grab that if God was writing, he will give you important information. And since God gave this important information to Moses, I think we should take note to what God is saying. We see here from verse 1 through verse 10, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, the Word of God says, The Lord has said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. 
I will bless you and make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into the household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem, and there he set up camp beside the oak of Moreh at the time the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and I to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south by stages towards the Negev. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner, enduring for God's promise the blessing of the seed. As we look at Abram enduring for God's promise and the blessing of the seed. Our text shows us here that God called out Abram. And I want you to realize that how God calls us out, not because of how good we are, not because you think you're special, but because God's own sovereign grace elected Abram. And you look at here that you, if you read Genesis, Genesis kind of catches you by surprise when you come to the 11th chapter. The first two chapters talks about creation. Then he gets to the fall of man. Then he gets to the birth of Cain and Abel. They messed it up. They had Seth. Then he goes all these genealogies to Seth. Then all of a sudden a big flood comes. And we, and we find out about this big old ark. And we find out about Noah and his three sons. And then they have a tower of Babel. Then all of a sudden he introduces you to a man named Terah. It's amazing how God is putting this all together. You see him orchestrating in his, in his first stanza, he, he wants you to understand that in the beginning, it just was just me. <laughs> so if you have any questions, who made you? Just make, remember, it was just me in the beginning. And then you wonder why things are kind of messed up in this world where there was a serpent that was crafted and all the rest. And he deceived. And now that you have been cursed, uh, the woman's been cursed. She desires for the man. She has painful birth. She longs for him. and He will rule over the man. He wasn't just cursed, but the land was cursed. So he had to work now on a land, and the land was going to prick him back because it's going to have thorns and thistles. And he could not eat unless he had sweat from his brow. And, and, but God gave him a promise in that, saying that although you've been forsaken, you've fallen short, I will redeem you through the seed of the woman. And I will put enmity between the woman's seed and the seed of the serpent. And he will crush the serpent's head, and his heel will be bruised. And so they understood at the beginning, God was revealing to them that there's been a plan from the beginning. Tell your neighbor, there's been a plan from the beginning. And so we look how God's working this out. If I was Abram, I, 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 I would be kind of perplexed at this time because first and foremost, uh, God never spoke to me yet. <laughs> Secondly, I have no Bible in my hand. 
Thirdly, there's no temple in Jerusalem where the Ark of the Covenant to tell me how to worship this guy. But yet, all of a sudden, God shows up. And, and you look here that we picked up here, says, Then the Lord said to Abram, so, and letting you know that something happened beforehand. Terah, his father, died. Terah took Abram, his, uh, his, his wife, Sarai, and his grandson, Lot, and they left on their way to Canaan. But before they got there, Terah died. And Abram just settled there. Oftentimes, God has a blessing for you. God has called you to something. But sometimes we get complacent and we settle and not go to our destination. God had called him, directed him. So God says, look, Abram, you're here. But I'm going to call you go to a land that you do not know. God calls you. He will oftentimes will call you out of place of being comfortable to go to a place where you'll be most uncomfortable. God will call you from a place that you know and may put you into an unknown place. Uh, we just saw this this morning. These men have never been here on Sunday morning, but God called them out and put them here to let Zion know there's a challenge, there's a charge for us to do something that God has called us to do. Do you know that God keeps his promise? And so if God keeps his promise, then do you keep yours? If that hurts somebody, just go and say, ouch. Because <laughs> ouch, that hurt me. Because God is faithful. And you look, when he called Abram, he called him out. He says, Abram, leave your native country. He, he didn't come out and say, Abram, um, I'm going to hook you up with a whole bunch of stuff. He told him just to leave. Do you see that first? He first told him to go. And then Abram, in his obedience and going, we see God said, then I will make you. Do you understand obedience is a response to the call? Yeah. He says, I will make you into a great nation. And look at the, how God consecrates him. If you look in Genesis 11 chapter, when they had the Tower of Babel, they said to themselves, we'll make our name great, or we will make ourselves famous. We heard it earlier today, didn't he not? God gives grace to the humble, but opposes the proud. The proud thought they could make their name great. God says, nope, you won't be great. I will disperse you. You'll be scattered throughout. But yet, Abram, you, small, you with a barren wife, taking care of your nephew, have really nothing but what your daddy left you. I will call you out, and I'll make your name great. Too many times in our lives, we try to do great things by ourselves, not letting God you do great things through us. Amen. Ephesians, second chapter, talks about how God will make you a masterpiece. Just check it out in Ephesians, second chapter. Just go through and read that. I, I ain't going to give you the verse. So I want you to read all of it so you catch it. But God says, I will make you a masterpiece because when you're in the master's hand, you're a masterpiece crafted to do some good work for the master. You see how God is crafting Abram. says, Abram, I, I'm picking you up because I see something in you that I can use. And since I can use this in you, I'm going to make you a blessing to others. It's amazing how sometimes we get caught up. We want to make ourselves great. But when you make yourself great, you really make yourself useless. But yet when Abram in his humility exposed himself to God, God said, I can use you. You see how God can use it? He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. So you see here that God has blessed him. He has completed the blessing in Abram already. Some of y'all missed that. He's completed 
the blessing in Abram already. And then he says there's an ongoing blessing through you that will fall on others. May the Lord God bless you real good. How many here want a blessing not only for you but for your children? For your grandchildren. And so we see that in order for these blessings to flow through, God has let us know when you obey me, it can go down through the generation. It's right there in the book. And so we see this, the blessing of the seed of Abraham. Because Jesus tells us that the father, we are the father of Abraham. But Jesus told these uh, Pharisees and Sadducees that we are the children of Abraham. He let them know, so y'all the children of the devil. Because if you knew the Father, you would not be doing the things that you're doing. Some of us need to check ourselves and see who are we calling dad. We confess one thing, but act out another thing. Just like my mom would tell me, she says, son, you better act like you got some good sense. My mom would say that to me because she says, you going out with my name on you. And so you should represent me when you go to school, when you go places. So I don't have to come up and let them know that I can whoop you. Do you not know that God can whoop you too? But you don't have to worry about whippings when you're obedient. All you got to do about obedience is worry about if you got enough room for those blessings. And so you see that God has called him out and, and then he consecrates him. He blesses him, consecrates him to be set apart. He set Abram apart out of all of his other siblings. He set him apart to be great, to, to be a great nation, his name to be a great, from him to be a blessing, to be a blessing to others. Those who bless him, they'll be blessed. Those who curse him, they will be cursed. And not just that, but everybody, the whole generation, all the nations, all the families will be blessed through him. You can see that, how that, in Numbers, the 22nd chapter, how Balaam had some problems. Balaam was, was asked to curse the children of Israel. But God showed up to him and said, you bet not. Because if you do, a curse will fall on you. So Balaam said, I ain't going to mess with that. And then God said, go ahead and go. So Balaam was gone, but yeah, he was gone with the wrong motives. Probably got, started thinking about that money, and God had to reassure him, let him know why you're going. So he had an angel in front with a fiery sword to let Balaam know, don't go there and curse him. You better go there and bless him. And Balaam straight up went there and blessed. It's funny that when he got time, all he could do was bless him. The guy said, don't you have something else? He blessed him some more. Because when we allow God to use us, it urges us in the face of opposition to do what God has called us to do. Abram had faced opposition. You can look throughout the story of Genesis and see how Abraham faced many opposition. He too sometimes fell weak and did not trust God, but I challenge you with this. Look in there. He never asked God about the land, but he always asked God about his seed. It caught me on that. So showing that God, so Abraham believed he's going to get the land, but he's waiting to see the proof in the seed. Why was that? Because look what God, look how God confirms him. When he gets into the land of Canaan, he says, here I will give the land to your offspring, to your seed. So he already knows he's going to get the land, so he's waiting for the, the confirmation in the seed. And God confirmed and says, you're going to have this land, but it might not be just to you because I'm going to give it to your seed. What well, I want you to tell you that sometimes we want to do things for us, but God wants you to do that for us for somebody else. 
you, you're trying to do it so you'll put your name on it, but God wants you to do it so somebody else can put their name on it. Look, look, look how it worked out. David, he wanted to build a temple, but we just found out Solomon was the only one that could build a temple. And so God said, you can't put your name on it. It's going to go to your son. So it's up for him to continue on. It kind of reminds me of that sometimes that God does greater things after you. But we get caught up thinking we want to be great now. But Abram found that the, his greatest blessing was going to come after him. Because God confronted him in the 15th chapter of Genesis. Go ahead and check it out. He said, if you can count the stars, so will, so will your seed be. So he, wrote, he wrote, let Abram know. And look here, he finds Abram here at age 75. Not until age 99, a good quarter of a century later, does he have proof of his seed. What does that say? That say that God moves at his time. But his time is always the right time. So when you're enduring in God's promise, you might go through some situations in your life, but it will not stop from God completing his covenant. Because look what happens. Sir. Abram is blessed to see the seed, and then we look at what happens. Uh, why he does not live in the land, because it's occupied by the Canaanites. Uh, he goes down south, and, down south and lives in the Negev. But yet, while he's down there, it says a famine comes. And where does he go? He goes to Egypt. I want you to see how God orchestrates all these things together. He blesses Abram. Abram is consecrated for God's glory. He's confirmed of the blessing to come. But tribulation comes, he goes to Egypt. It kind of sounds familiar that many throughout the story in Genesis, you can see that when trouble comes, they always sometimes want to go out west <laughs> to Egypt. God already promised him that you're going to have a land. So you're, he has a promise in waiting, but yet he says, you know what? I see famine. I'm going to go to Egypt. And, and, and as we should know now that the story does not end there because he gets his land. He comes out back. But yet I want you to grab here and see how God is orchestrating this. That out of Egypt, that God would tell and reminds him, I took you out of Egypt and put you in the promised land. God always reminds Israel how you was in captivity for over 400 years. But I pulled you, pulled you out and brought you into the promised land. And I'm here to tell you that that story does not stop there. But if you look uh, in the gospel, there was a baby born in Bethlehem. And a king was scared of this seed because the king was aware of the blessing of the seed. Maybe not on his own knowledge, but some magi came by and told him, where is the king of Israel? Herod realized that he's not from the seed of David, so that throne was not his. And so he realized, I need to kill the enemy before he gets in front of me. But you see, God will curse those. That curse him, but it will bless those who bless them. Look at the Magi. They were blessed that they did not get captured. God told them, go another way. Joseph was blessed and told that the enemy's trying to get you. So he got up and he went to Egypt. Mm. Themes being orchestrated throughout. Go into Egypt. But Jesus came out of Egypt with wisdom and knowledge. He went into Egypt in, 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 in fright, feeling for his life. But he came out to lead the great exodus. That didn't catch somebody. 
Jesus came out to lead the great exodus, to lead us from captivity of sin sickness, to be in his grace and his mercy. But you see here, over some thousands of years ago, starting with Abram, God started working out your plan of salvation. It hurts me so bad because when I look over my life and I can see how when I had, had famines in my life, I didn't always fall back on the promise of God. But I would lean on to what I could see, what I could hold on to. Because I could see Egypt. Egypt always was good. Because Egypt always had the Nile. And the Nile always kept the earth plentiful. So I would see my Egypt in different places. Walking away from the promise of God. But I'm so glad that God always can call out. He can call out to his people. And remind us of the covenant he has. Because he remind Abram of the covenant he had. That you, Ishmael's not going to be blessed. It's going to come from your seed. It's not going to be somebody else's seed. But it's going to be your seed. Tell somebody, God's got a blessing for you. It's not somebody else. It's yours. But you might get caught up and you might flee to Egypt. But remember, you can always turn back. Tell somebody, turn back. Turn back to God. Endure for the blessing. Look, look, he's 75 years old. It took him 99 years just to see his first son. Where are you in your life? Will it take you 25 years just to see what God's working in your life? I'm telling you, when you just stay obedient, just trust God. Because if he's the orchestrator, let him orchestrate your life. You know a symphony has paces. Sometimes it's slow, sometimes it's fast. Just like our life. Sometimes it's slow, sometimes it's fast. But it's not over till they hit that last note. So Abram was letting God orchestrate his life. God took from here, took from there, and he can mix it all together. That's why Parker says, I know, and you know, that God works out what? All things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You can see how God's been orchestrating in your life just to get you where you are right now. But I'm here to let you know you have not made it yet. You might be just like Abram, passing through your promise. <laughs> but God is confirming that I will give it to you. But you got to pass through right now. Hold on just a little while. Just wait. It might take 25 years. It might be five years. It might be tomorrow. But just hold on. Let God. Walk you into your blessing. Let God lead you to the promise that he has. As we're celebrating Christmas, I want to look that when we talk about this baby born in the manger, think about how God worked out through 42 generations just to get Jesus here to die for your sin. To work out how God chose the throne of David by his grace so that he could call you out by his grace. That's why we should walk around with our heads up high. With confidence knowing that God has called me. He called me out of everybody else. He, he destined for us to know him. That's why for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. And I'm going to close with this. That there's a whosoever in the Bible. Whosoever believeth in him. And whosoever's name is not in the Lamb books of life. 
So whosoever believe in will be with him. Whosoever's name is not in the Lamb books of life will not be with him. But God has a covenant through Christ. And I want to close with this covenant part. That when God made his covenant with Abram, it was a covenant to let him know I have connected with you in relationship. And he had a covenant with him that he sacrificed the animal in chapter 15 and God passed through. Then God set up another covenant with the circumcision. God set these things as reminders to us. But then God set a covenant relationship as a reminder to him that when he sees you now and you cry out the name of Jesus, he no longer sees a sinner destined to sin and hell, but he sees a saint because he sees you covered through the blood of Jesus. And so will you let God bless you indeed? Will you please be a part of the seed of Abraham by calling out the name of the Lord of Jesus as your Lord and receive your blessing through God that he will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Vengeance is the Lord's. Don't worry about what comes against you because if God made the weapon, guess what? No weapon falling against me shall prosper. I can do all things through God. So we know for a fact that God will bless his children. Be his child today. Come to him and let him use you and see how you too can have the blessing of Abraham. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Father, we come to you right now, God, receiving your blessing through your covenant relationship through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We thank you, Father, that you did die on the cross for our sins. You rose again from the grave. And Jesus, we thank you that you're sitting at the right hand of Father, interceding on our behalf right now. And so, Father, there's someone here who does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, Father. We pray that they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that, Father, they accept you and receive you into their heart today, almighty God. And let transformation begin right now as we're preparing, God, for a total takeover come 2010, God. We want to see the divine experiment take place in our hearts in this community, almighty God. But we realize it cannot happen absent from you. So, Father, here we are, surrendering to you, surrendering to your covenant, to your blessing. Have your way in this place, we pray. Amen. Amen. We be standing to extend a hand of discipleship. There might be someone here that does not have a church home. We welcome here.